Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Well, I'm excited to be here. My name is Lauren. I get to be one of the pastors here at Project Church. And uh, man, this has been a fun season as a church. Man, a lot of things are, are happening. Uh, as, as Sam kind of mentioned real quick, that th- there's a new building. And if you didn't know, we, were, we purchased a building in Old Sacramento. And as crazy as that is, there hasn't been a church there in over a hundred years. So we are making history. You are part of history. Yeah, we can give God some praise for that. Come on. And it's an exciting season to be in. And so if you didn't know a little, the short story of what God's been doing, we started this campus four years ago, the downtown campus six and a half years ago. And we bought a building right in the middle of both of our campuses. And as we wanted to expand, God was just showing us that, our, that what he has for us is coming together in that building. And so we're excited. We are in the last few months. We're looking at around February of moving in to our new building. But we're excited, man. I'm so pumped about, uh, about the last months here because things are changing. And I'm, I'm believing God for some great things. We don't need a building for God to move. And we don't have to wait for us to move into a building for God to do some stuff. And he's, what we're seeing as is, is things happening is people saying, are going all in. And that's actually our series called Our Indomitable Future. And the tagline for it, I like, is all in so we can win. And at, before we jump into the message, I want to share about something coming up on December 1st. And that is our end of the year offering. And so I want to share about that real quick. And you just put this in your mind. Is that every year, we talked about giving uh, earlier. Veronica shared about how that's such a blessing to give. But every year we do this at the end of the year to advance the vision of what God's called us to do. So what does this offering go to? It's to advance the vision in 2020. And, and, it, and what is our vision? Our vision is to lead all people to find life and freedom in Jesus. And so as, we're, as you're asking God, what do you want me to give? That, all that is going to lead more people. It's going to enable us to lead more people to find life and freedom in Jesus. It's going to establish our permanent home in Old Sacramento. And thirdly, it's going to, to, uh, to go to Project Rescue, which is uh, 10% of it is going to this ministry to rescue girls from sexual slavery all around the world. And their base is in India. So there's a lot of, a lot of dark things happening there and there's an amazing ministry called Project Rescue that we believe in that we've been partnered with since the beginning and my wife and I personally give to this ministry because it's such it's making such a difference in the kingdom of God and rescuing people that are in dark dark situations and so we want you to pray and I'm not going to ask you I'm not even going to ask you to give I'm going to ask you to ask God if you should give and what you should give because I believe he's going to speak to you on that, and I don't need to, to do that part of the communication. But today, we are talking about this. We're talking about influence. We're talking about how we are all called to be an influence. And I think that's something we can miss really easy, that, that, that our purpose is to, to influence. See, I missed this growing up. I, I, can, I look back and I realized as a teenager I was simply being shaped by what was around me. And then I met Jesus. I gave my life to him when I was 15 years old in between the freshman and sophomore year that summer. And I came back to the school that, that, that next year, that next August, and I stepped onto the school and, I, and something shifted in my heart because I was no longer going to be influenced. I was no longer going to just be shaped by what was around me, by the people around me, by the culture around me. 
But I realize I'm not just going to get through. I'm not just going to be a student and get my, my diploma. But I have a calling in this season. And everything in me, I just saw every other kid in my school. And I said, man, I have a purpose to show them this Jesus that just changed my life. To show them the goodness of God. And I was there. I'm like, I'm not just supposed to get through this season of my life. I'm not just supposed to be a student, get my diploma, get through and go to the next thing. And that's what, what I want to communicate to you today is you're not just supposed to get through. You're not just supposed to, to have your job and contribute to the economy. That's not your calling in life. God has a bigger purpose for your life. You're not just supposed to, to survive through life. You're not just supposed to, to be a parent is just keeping your kids alive. Sometimes that's what it comes down to. Sometimes that's what it feels like, right? I kept my kids alive this week. I did a pretty good job. But your calling is so much more than survival. You have a purpose and God's put a purpose inside of you. There's a reason you're alive and that reason is to influence those around you. And, and that, that could t- be taken in the wrong connotation. That could, be, that could be twisted in a manipulative way. Like we're supposed to manipulate people. But here's the definition I want to give to you. Is, is the influence as Christ followers. As Christ followers, influencing means showing people the goodness of God. See, there's no manipulation with that. That's simply showing people how great our God is. How he is so loving, how he's so caring, how he, he wants and he believes in you and how he's changed your life and he could change your neighbor's life. He could change your coworker's life. He could sh- change your family's life just as what he's done in you. See, influence simply means showing people the goodness of God. And so often I've seen the church just have this mindset of just being walled in and be like, man, everything outside is so evil. We just got to hunker down and make sure we stay holy. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes that's the mindset of the church. But do you know that we have the light and the darkness is out there? And have you ever seen a struggle? Have you ever seen the light be scared of the darkness? When you go into your room and you flip the lights on? Like have you ever seen a battle happen like between the light and the darkness? No, who wins every time? The light just overcomes the darkness. And so your calling is to be the light in the darkness. That's what influence means. That means showing people the goodness of God. And that is your purpose. And because of that, you have this authority that you can walk in. When you be the light, when you, when you allow God to work through you, you operate the, in, in the authority of Christ. And the darkness just submits to you because you have the light. The, the darkness, and, and so many of us miss this because... because probably several reasons, but one of them is because we don't even realize that's our job. It's our responsibility to do this. Maybe another reason, maybe we're just so focused on ourselves. We're so focused about getting that we're not realizing our purpose is about giving. Our purpose is rooted in giving and showing people the goodness of God. And so we're going to look at this story in Jeremiah, which is incredibly dark. Like if you ever, a lot of the Old Testament you read and it's just dark and you're like, wow, that was a great devotional to start my day and encourage me and give me some positive thoughts. That was a lot of discouraging stuff. But when you look at it through the light of God's sovereignty and God's story as, as he works all things out for his good, we realize that actually everything in scripture can be looked at through the light of his glory. And this is a story where we can see God working through the midst of it. So what's happening right here? Is, is this. It was a dark time. The nation of Israel was going into captivity 
in Babylon. They were straight being infiltrated and they were being taken hostage, taken captive and brought into their, their city. Now, Jeremiah's job was to warn the people that this was coming. God was used him as a prophet. And, and in this time, a prophet was a specific person that was used by God to communicate what God wants to say. And he communicated that. And it was a rough job because no one likes to be the bearer of bad news. But he was the bearer of bad news. He was saying, hey, some of y'all are going to die. Some of y'all are going get, to get handcuffed and taken out of here, split from your families. Your house is going to be burnt down. Some of you all are even going to have to watch your family die in front of you. This is going to be really ugly. This is not going to be fun. But when we look at it this way, we see that, that, uh, some, of us, that some of us will stay. This doesn't seem so bad to some. Or this may seem like, well, man, we got it so much easier. Because, but in a reality, we can relate to, to the Israelites a little bit. Because did you know that this place right here isn't your home? Did you know West Sacramento isn't your home? Did you know this, this, this planet isn't even your home? Scripture says this, John 15, 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world... But I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Here's some more encouragement for your day. The world hates you. How do you like that? And the world hates you because, because they are, the, the, and it's referring to the darkness. When it says the world, it re, it's referring to those that are of the enemy, that are of the devil, that, that are opposed to the kingdom of God. And so th those are two forces at work. Those are two enemies. And so the world's going to hate you because of, of who's inside of you, because of Christ inside of you. But the emphasis on this passage I want to point out is you're not even of this world. You're passing by. You're passing by. And the reality of eternity, this is a speck of dust in the, in the, in the whole in the whole world, in the whole timeline of things. We realize this is nothing. We are simply passing by, but we can relate that in this season God has a plan for you. See, a lot of the Israelites were thinking, man, I'm just going to suck it up and get through this really hard time. But what I want to point out to you is God has a plan to influence in every season, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that's what, that's what we read in Scripture right here. So I want you to open up Jeremiah 29 um, and, and hear, hear what God's saying through the prophet Jeremiah, starting in verse 4. This is what it says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all exiles whom I have sent. Everybody say sent. Whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. I want to pray just for God's word to speak to us because this is powerful stuff. This is God's word and it can speak to us in a way like no one else can. So let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. And I just ask that you would speak to us. I boldly ask that, that, uh, that our hearts would be so surrendered to you and so open to receive that you would change our lives, that you would impart to us some truth from you that will dramatically impact our lives. We want more of you. We desire to hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I, I'm actually very encouraged by this passage. The essence of the passage was, they were, he was, Jeremiah was saying, hey, 
like I said, this is going to be a really hard season. You're going to go into captivity. That's not fun. But I have a purpose for you in this season. And that purpose is to show people the goodness of God. And with everybody here, I want to tell you that you may be in a season you don't like. You may be in a season of saying, why? Man, I feel like I'm just surviving. I want to tell you that you have a purpose in this season. And that purpose is to show people the goodness of God. And, and so, I, so I want to kind of look at this. I believe there's some practical steps in here and how we do this and how we accomplish this because that could be overwhelming for a lot of people. It's like, well, how do I do that? I've never done that before. I've never shown someone the goodness of God. That's pretty vague. What does that mean? I look at verse 4, and this is what it says. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy that God's saying, you know, he's bringing all these exiles out of, out of Jerusalem, he's, he's sending us. We're being, take cap, being taken captive by the Babylonians, but actually, you know what? I'm sending you. They're actually not taking you captives. They're, they're just part of, the, you know what the scripture says in that song we were just singing? Hey, I, what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn around for good. So even, that was God's perspective. Hey, these Babylonians are coming in and taking you captive, but really, and, and taking you to Babylon, but really, I'm sending you to Babylon. You see, God's in control. There's no surprises to God. There's nothing outside of his control. He gives us free will, but he operates in a way that just blows my mind. He is in control. And even in the midst of something awful, he's saying, you know what? I'm actually sending you there. And that's, why, that's what the encouragement is today, is that know that we are sent. We may hate our situation. We may hate our job. We may hate this season. But you are sent by God, and you have a purpose in this season. And, and being sent is a powerful thing because we operate out of the authority of who, they, who sent us. So whoever asked me to do something is going to make all the difference in the world how I do that thing I'm being asked. If a random stranger, this may be the most random analogy I've ever made, but I thought of it earlier this week. If a random stranger came up to me and was like, hey, Lauren, I'm like, hey, how'd you know my name? And they're like, hey, I want you to go out to that dirt patch on the edge of town. I want you to dig a hole. I'd be like, Psh. what are you talking about? Psh. I don't want to do that. Psh. Not me. What are you talking about? Who are you? Why would I do that? But check this out. If the mayor of West Sacramento came up to me, he's like, hey, Lauren, I hear what you're doing at Project Church, and here's a need that we have. I want you to go to the edge of town in that dirt patch. I want you to dig a hole. I'd be like, Psh. I'm in. I grab my shovel, and I go out. And also, I love to dig. It's very cathartic for me. It's like, it's an awesome thing that I love to do. I can relate. Remember that book, Holes? That, I read that book when I was a kid. I'm like, yes, this is me. I just loved digging holes. Um, anyways, I would go out and dig that hole because I know it was meeting a need in the city. And I know somebody important is asking me to do this. And he said, hey, it's meeting a need. I want to meet that need. And here's the thing. Who's sending us makes all the difference. And when we realize that we are sent, we operate out of the authority of who sent us. And so when, when, I, when we moved here to West Sacramento, when we started this church in West Sacramento, I wasn't operating on this idea that, man, that, that I just felt like doing this. That somebody, some guy asked me, say, hey, would you start a church in West Sacramento? Veronica and I started this, this campus under the authority that God was sending us here. Otherwise, I wouldn't get up early in the morning to help set all this stuff up. Otherwise, I would have quit a long time ago. Let me tell you that. I would have quit a long time ago. And so our team... 
our team of, of volunteers that show up early and help make all this, this, this happen, the team that's over there loving kids and showing them Jesus right now, they would have quit a long time ago if they didn't understand that they are being sent. They're not operating under my authority. And I said, hey, I need, we need someone to, to, to teach the kids, to love on the kids. No, they're operating under God's authority to, to, to bring about life and freedom in the lives of young people. And so, so when we shift our mindset and own our responsibility, that's point number one as we look at who sent us, is to own our responsibility and realize God is sending us and that we're not going to miss this opportunity because I think so many of us are missing opportunities because we're complaining about the situation. We're complaining. So the Israelites, man, I'd be tempted. They had it way worse than any of us do. They had their families stripped from them. Some of them burned their houses and killed their families in front of them. And they had all the reasons to complain. But Jeremiah was encouraging them, know that you are being sent by God. And knowing that I have a purpose for you in this season. If God has sent you there, then he's thought of everything you need. He's thought of everything you need. He's, he's taking care of everything that he, you need to, to make that happen. He wouldn't send you there to do something if you weren't capable of doing it. You know, when we own our responsibility, understand who sent us. Like, man, if he asked me to do it, he believes in me. Some of us don't believe in ourselves, and we think I'm not, I'm not good enough, I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough, that person's better, there's someone else that can do it better than me. But if God asked you to do it, if God sent you, he believes in you, and he, you know that you have everything in your tool belt to accomplish what God's called you to do. The second thing is this. As we read in verse 5 and 6, these practical ways, he's saying, hey, you need to establish your roots. Establish your roots with intentionality. See, influencing and pointing people to the goodness of God doesn't happen overnight. It's not some, I believe big impact happens when we establish our roots and are intentional with doing that. We're intentional saying, this is my mission and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to establish my roots. You see, God was telling the people of Israel that they need to establish roots because, because God didn't see the season for them as punishment. Even though they, they, were, they were where they are because of disobedience. They made other gods. They formed weird statues and bowed down to it. And God's just going, Psh, what, are you, what are you doing? But even though they were disobedient, God wasn't seeing this as punishment. They were saying, no, hey, I'm sending you here. This was your fault. But even, even in the midst of a hard situation that I'm putting you through, I'm still going to use you with this, and I want you to establish your roots with intentionality. And he says, I'm sending you here, and you need to put in some roots, build houses, get married, have kids, have your kids have kids, have grandkids, plant gardens, eat the fruit, and live out what you're called to do, and don't just look at it as passing by. And so that was actually a big reason why Veronica and I moved here to West Sacramento. It's because we lived on the north side of town in like North Islands area. And we wanted to be in our community. We wanted to establish our roots here in West Sacramento because we felt called to this city because I believe impact doesn't happen overnight. And if we really want to, to build something here, we need to establish our roots. And God's saying the same thing to you. Remember that God is sending you in order to fulfill your purpose, and we have to plant roots, grow where we're planted. And for you know what, what this means practically for us? Because it's saying like, okay, plant, plant a garden, harvest the fruits, build a house. For some of us, for most of us actually, what this means practically, establishing our roots, what it means is building relationships. And, and building, being intentional about relationships. Because often we're, we're looking at the next thing. 
That's what, that's what I think the, the big error for us and the big challenge for, for many of us is we're kind of looking at the next season. We're like, man, I just want to, can't wait to get to the next season. I can't wait till I, my kids are out of the house. I can't wait till I get the next job. I can't wait till I move out of this city and into this next thing that you want to do. And that's fine. Like looking forward is good. It's, it's, it's very biblical too. But when we look forward and miss what's in front of us, and, and don't put any roots in and don't build relationship with our neighbors and we're not even invested into the people around us, we're missing the opportunity that God has put right in front of you. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to, to, to establish your roots, build relationships with your coworkers. For the longest time, I actually had a heavy conviction because I didn't know my neighbors very well. It was, and it was kind of the culture, like we, we were able to park our car in our garage and then, and it was barely fit. We had the little Honda Fit, and we had a small garage, and it fit. But then we got a van, and we have to park our car on the driveway. And maybe that was God saying, like, hey, this is a way I'm going to help build you. Because when we'd park our car in the garage, we just wouldn't see anybody. But now we've been able to develop so many relationships with our neighbors and been able to have this, these conversations. And establishing our roots often just means building relationships and being intentional about it. Have, you know, show hospitality, show the goodness of God, show love, invite people over, invite people over to, to your house. I think that's one of the, the missed Christian uh, values in, in our culture today because, you know, we, we serve the God of busyness. We're always busy, 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 and we can't, we can't make time for, for our neighbors. We can't make time for relationships. But we've said often, often that the kingdom of God is built on relationships, the kingdom of God is built through, through establishing our roots. So what I want to challenge you all, this is maybe the most practical thing you take away from, is have another family over to your house. Host them. Invite them over. Maybe even after church today, you say, hey, I know you, and it's not weird because the pastor said this, and I want you to, to, to have your uh, kids come over, and we're going to have dinner with all you guys, and it's going to be a good time. Because I, I think a missed opportunity is really being intentional. And that's why we, we have community groups. Some of, for, not, for some of us, the practical step is that you join a community group. Every Thursday night, I get, I, we bring our family to, the, to Matt and Charlissa's house, and our families are hanging out. We're having food together. The kids are going wild, right? We know. And, uh, but still, we have this time where we're able to connect with each other and establishing our roots. We're not just passing by, but establishing our roots means building relationships. And when we do that with insiders, you know, people who are in the family of God and know God, but also we're supposed to establish roots with those outside. You know, maybe your neighbor isn't, isn't a believer. Maybe your coworker isn't. Maybe your family member isn't. And when we're establishing our roots, that means inviting them over, grabbing coffee with them, establishing your roots and building a relationship with them. The last thing is this, and, and I love this. Read verse 7. It's, it's, it's the most challenging part of this entire passage. And I believe it's the biggest shift that we need to take, and it's the shift that's in, in our hearts right here, is we are to believe with audacious faith. You see, this is what it says. It says, seek the welfare of the city. The welfare of the city. Seek the welfare of the city. God, you mean the city that, that's taken me captive right now? God, you're telling me to seek the welfare of the city and pray to the Lord on its behalf? You're telling me to pray for the people that are jacking my family apart from each other, that are coming in and, and, and infiltrating me and taking me from my home? I'm supposed to pray for these people? I'm supposed to, supposed to pray for the welfare of it, not the downfall? I'm supposed to pray that this place burns to the ground? I don't like this place. 
And so I imagine the Israelites having that conversation with God. But God is saying to them, I want you to believe with audacious faith. I want you to pray for the welfare. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. And in that welfare, you're going to find your welfare. In its goodness, you're going to find goodness. In the blessing that you find in the city, you're going to find blessing. And, and what I see is missing in the church is the, is the belief that God still does miracles. And so many people have the negative mindset when it comes to our city, when it comes to our nation. We say, man, God, I don't know what to do. Our nation's going to hell in a handbasket and there's nothing we can do about it. And it's this negative mindset that I believe we miss the aspect of faith. We miss what our whole Christian faith is based on is what's seen, what isn't there yet. And praying like we believe that God does miracles. And instead of looking at this and say, man, this is bad, this is evil, there's so much evil, there's so much corruption, we're not ignoring the corruption. But what we're doing is looking past the corruption and seeing what's not there. Is seeing, man, all this corruption, all these people turn away. You know what I see? I see people coming to find faith in Jesus. I see people coming and finding life and finding freedom in Jesus. I see the drug addicts that are, that are seeking this thing and become addicted to this thing that's, that's caused, them, caused their life to be, to be a disaster. I see them finding life and I see them finding freedom in the miracle working God. What about those families that, that don't believe in God, that are so far from him? I see God doing the miracles that he can do in someone's heart and helping them find faith, having them find life and freedom in Jesus. And you know what I see? I see a church that's bold enough to believe these things. I see a church that, that's going to believe for the for the. The, the welfare of our city. And when we believe, that influences our behaviors and we'll start to own our responsibility and establish our roots. So we're supposed to see what's not there yet. And, and that's what the greatest visionaries are able to do. The greatest the people in history that have impacted this world were able to see what wasn't there yet. You know, think about Walt Disney. He looked out at an orange grove. He didn't see just an orange grove. He saw the happiest place on earth. And, and he was able to see what wasn't there yet. And I believe what God's called us to do. Well, the church should be filled. The church should be filled with the greatest visionaries in our world. And you know why? Not only does God call us to see what's not there yet, but God empowers us to see what's not there yet. God empowers us, and he's able to make it happen, and we're able to believe God for the impossible things to happen. See, even right now, you are a result of audacious faith. This wasn't here yet four years ago. This wasn't here yet, but, we, but, but there was a group of people that believed for something that wasn't there yet. And so my challenge to you is, is, are you owning your responsibility? Are you establishing your roots? But are you looking at your situation and seeing what is currently the status of that situation? Or are you looking at it and seeing what's not there yet? Believing in our city, believing in West Sacramento, believing for Sacramento, believing for the state, for this country, for this world. Or are you negatively thinking about all the, all the bad things that are happening? And it's not about ignoring the bad, but it's about seeing what's not there yet. Do you see that family member that hasn't found Christ yet? Do you see them finding that faith? Do you see your neighbor? Do you see your coworker? Do you see the, the issues in our city? Do you see that coming around? 
Because it's not going to happen unless you see it before you see it. Unless you believe it before it happens. I believe God's stirring up something in our city. And I want to share one last result of, of believing with audacious faith and seeing what's not there yet. See, this last week, sorry, a week and a half ago, we, we finished our Hope Week. And that's, that's a year we just go crazy about serving our community. We had 137 people go serve over 400 hours with 10 different projects and made an impact in our community. And, and something I said probably about three years ago, as, and many of them were in the room when I shared this vision and this prayer, is I pray that one day that, the, that when something happens, the city will reach out to us. I pray that one day the schools will reach out to us when they have a need. That the community will reach out to Project Church when they have a need. That the community will reach out to the church as a whole. That not just Project Church, but the Capital C Church when there is a need. And you know what is happening right now? Is that the schools are asking Project Church to come and serve. Because they found out, the word got out that Project Church shows up. The word got out that Project Church is about our community, our community. that Project Church is for our city. We just got done with a, with a project at River City High School where we painted, we cleaned, and we did a whole new mural for them. And there was so much energy and there's so much excitement from the staff, the, the student body that was there. And it, and it made me realize that God answered a prayer. Come on, we can give God praise for that. And so often I limit God. I can look back at that and say, man, so often I'm limiting God. And maybe you can you relate to this as well, that we say, man, I'm, just, I'm happy with where we're at. Man, things are good. Some things are bad. Some things are good. But so, much times, so often I even limit God because I'm saying I'm happy. I'm content with what's happened. But what if we as a church saw what wasn't there yet? We saw the church doing what God has called us to do. We saw miracles taking place, and we saw the city see the goodness of God. Would you bow your heads across this room? Oh, I just want to give you a chance to pray with me. And maybe you're here today, and you're being encouraged. You feel uplifted, and you say, man, I need, I need prayer because I, I, I want to live this out. Um, maybe you feel convicted because you don't feel like you have been living this out. You don't feel like you've been influencing. You just want prayer so, so you can have strength to be an influence and be a positive light in the darkness. If that's you and this message is encouraging, you want prayer for that, would you just on the count of three raise your hand across this room? One, two, three, so I know who I'm praying for. Just put it up. Thank you, and you can put it right back down. And secondly, if you're here and you need the goodness of God, you need, right now, you're that person that needs the prayer you're that person that needs the light. You're that person that needs God in your life and you feel distant from him. I want to tell you that there is no accident that you're, that you're here. You may have been dragged here by a friend, but you have been sent by God to this room right now to have this opportunity to encounter the loving God the one true God. And if, if you're here in this room and that's you and you just need God in your life, you feel distant from him and you want to experience the goodness of God, I just want to pray for you. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Would you be so bold with every head bowed and no one looking around just to raise your hand on the count of three with no hesitation. One, two, three. Just put it up so I know who I'm praying for. Thank you so much back there. Thank you so much over here. Anybody else? There's three or four of us. You can put it right back down. Thank you so much. 
Wow, praise God. Would you stand across this room? We're just going to worship, and we're going to have the prayer team come up right now. But before we, we jump into this worship, I just want to lead us in this prayer. Because I know God's working, and, and, and I'm leading you in the prayer. I'm not praying for you. I want you to, to, to sh- if you feel comfortable, repeat this after me as you're praying to God. Say, Jesus, I need you. I'm going to own my calling to be an influence. To point this people. word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.